0: uh Good morning everyone uh, just so you know in case you're wondering there are uh, sermon study sheets uh, based on our messages available at the starting point table out in the out in the foyer and you can also access them online if you want to review or follow along or use this uh, as a uh, something in a life group or as a family around the table that's available okay well so uh, a, a year ago this week um, I learned that my job was coming to an end. If any of you have been through a season like that, it's not a lot of fun, right? uh, There were organizational decisions that were outside of my control, it meant my job was being structurally eliminated, and this completely disrupted our lives as a family. Uh, We were settled in Surrey, uh, enjoying life there, and we did not want to move, and yet here we are... in Kelowna! Wow! How did that happen? Well, Jen and I believe we were led by the Spirit of God. Now, can I blame God for the shaking and the pain? Have you ever gone through something? You go, what is it? Shall I blame him for this? Uh, uh, Is God like a squirrely leader? You don't know which way he's coming or going. Last October, around the same time that I found out my job was coming to an end, I had been going deep into Scripture. I was in... Uh, Mark's Gospel, and I had just read the story of Jesus walking on the water. The disciples are in a boat, they're rowing against the wind, and they're shocked as Jesus comes walking by and passes them. He's going into the wind better than they are rowing into the wind, and he's walking on the water. And there's this little line where Jesus says to the disciples in their fear, "'Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid.'" And for some reason, that statement stuck in my craw, and I was pondering these words as I was... And then that October day, last week of October, I was called into my supervisor's office uh, and heard that my, new, my job was coming to an end. And, uh, and in that moment, as my supervisor was talking, I heard like so loudly, so clearly, in words that trumped everything... Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. <laughs> it was painful the next number of months. We got finances got tight and our stress rose and we processed disappointment and forgiveness and all those wonderfully horrible things. And uh, I learned to make lasagna. So there was some redeeming element. Uh, and despite all the gusts of life, The wind of the Spirit was in charge. And we gathered a group of people who started to listen to our hearts. They gathered with us regularly. We started to tell them what was going on in our hearts, our confusions, our desires, our wrestlings. And this was the group that led us to discern that the Spirit was pushing us to Kelowna, to join what God is doing among you. And so, one of the things I want you to catch this morning is that the Spirit desires to lead your life and the Spirit of God will use circumstances, scripture, community, and your own personal conversations with God to lead you. Who leads you? Who leads us? We think we're radically independent human beings. We're not. (laughs) We're born followers. We're born followers. It's a non-negotiable truth At the end of the day, you follow someone or something. So just stop for 10 seconds and take note. Who are the voices of authority in your life that you pay attention to? Where do you go to for direction? Just think about it. We're not as independent as we like to believe, we need leadership. Because if we're led poorly, things go sideways. <laughs> they go sideways really quickly. I have this memory of uh, growing up in southwestern Ontario, and, and we, one evening we were at my aunt and uncle's farm, and there was a blistering snowstorm that came through. And so as we were leaving my aunt and uncle's home, we were following my uncle's vehicle in front of us, staring at their taillights as we made our way through the blizzard, white-out conditions. <laughs> and we followed him right into a ditch. We spent the next couple hours in a snowstorm pulling two vehicles out of a ditch. Because sometimes we find ourselves in ditches because we're following the wrong lights. Life is complicated and the winds blow but over the centuries the followers of Jesus have realized and sometimes have needed to repent and return to the realization that as human beings we avoid ditches and go and we end up going into better movements of places when we are led by the spirit of God. And this is one of our values as a church family. We value being led by the spirit of God. Those are not words for a wall. They are words of life. We're led by the Spirit of God. And so we confess that we're a community of followers prone to ditch things, aren't we? We're prone to get confused when life is complex and times change. And we need to be led by the Spirit of God. But what does this mean? Take your scriptures. We're going to be jumping through a bunch of different ones over the next few minutes here. Genesis chapter 1, the Bible begins with these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Genesis chapter 1. The Hebrew word, the Old Testament, written in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which is the word for wind, breath, or spirit. From the very beginning... Scripture, the Spirit is present to move things. It's the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of God is, life will emerge. In the Old Testament, it is full of God's windy, life-breathing leadership from Abraham and Sarah to Israel as a nation to Esther and Ruth and Samuel and David and the prophets. In the New Testament, there's a new another word because the New Testament was written in Greek. In the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma, and Peter says in Second Peter chapter one that uh, prophecy, the words of Scripture, never came about by human will, but that the prophets, through though humans, spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The word for spirit in New Testament Greek is pneuma, which means exactly the same thing as ruach, wind, breath. Spirit, wind, breath, spirit. Scripture, in essence, grasps the wind. Scripture grasps the wind, catches God's spirit moving and working out God's rescue plan for his creation. And so humanity... And sometimes you and I, we end up rowing hard against the wind and God has revealed that he is another wind altogether. Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. Two Old Testament prophets help us understand the Spirit's work. Go to Joel chapter 2. The prophet Joel uh, speaks with great power and authority. He says... Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on some people. Thank you, Erwin. Somebody's paying attention. Follow along with Erwin, everybody, okay? I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Quick question. This is very basic. Can you separate your breath from who you are? No, because your breath is you. You breathe. You can't separate the two. When you pass wind, it's you. Okay, so that's something completely different. Okay, but, okay, you get the point. Listen, the prophetic promise is that God will breathe himself indiscriminately into all people. God will give his breath, his wind, to all people. The breath of God that was lost when humanity sinned will be returned to us. We will breathe with God again. Jesus says in John chapter 3, John chapter 3, that the wind blows wherever it wants, that's how it is with the Spirit of God, and unless we are born again, unless we are born by the Spirit of God, we remain dead, though we live. <laughs> the God's Spirit comes and is, it will come and give us life. Jesus is pointing to this hope of God's original intent. We were formed from the dust made alive by the breath of God, and sin took our breath away, but God has changed the script. The promise of God is that his eternal breath, his own being, will be ours. Life without the Spirit is beneath our dignity. Life without the Spirit of God is beneath our dignity because we were created to be filled with the Spirit of God. God accomplished this through Christ who gave the gave up the breath of god so that we can come alive eternally and when we turn to god in faith the spirit of god you, you need to understand this this is basic discipleship okay when you turn your life from your own way repent and turn in faith to god and trust what god did for you and for us in christ on the cross the breath of god returns to you the wind of the spirit fills you, to give you life. And when the first Christians tried to make sense of the strange outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they quoted this prophecy of Joel to make sense of it. People were hearing the good news of God spoken in different languages and their own tongues. People were flooding into God's kingdom as the wind of heaven blew. Jesus had returned to the Father. God was doing what the prophet Joel said would happen in latter days. The age of the Spirit had come. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, the release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness the planting of the lord for the display of his splendor they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated by generations and you can look at this entire chapter and you see what happens when people are empowered by the spirit of god the script flips new life emerges The Spirit of God empowers those who receive him with God's holy, eternal purpose. The Spirit leads the world right side up and leads Spirit-filled people to do so. The Spirit will empower God's holistic good news for the world. This is the promise of Isaiah. So we have the promise of Joel that the Spirit of God will be poured out on all people indiscriminately. And we have the promise of Isaiah that when the Spirit comes upon, there will be a new good news in the world. Have you ever felt the fearful power of the wind? Jen grew up in an area of uh, Ontario where there was a tornado that blew through. Uh, Metal wrapped around trees like paper. (laughs) Uh, I spent some ministry time in Kansas a couple years ago, met some people who emerged from their storm shelter after a tornado and literally had their entire town gone. Everything wiped away. No town anymore. Who lives there, by the way? I don't know, but who chooses that? Hey, let's settle here. John Newton was a slave trader in the 1700s he was far from God, had a terrible reputation. Even the sailors called him the great blasphemer. You've heard what it is to cuss like a sailor? Okay. Well, John Newton, even the sailors had said, had a, had a bad reputation. He was led into a new direction. In the most wonderful of ways. He was at the helm of the slave ship Greyhound on March the 21st, 1748. He met his match in a storm. The ship was being blown to the edge of ruin. Powerless, he called out to God. He began to remember scriptures that his mother had taught him as a kid. The winds became a footnote as the spirit transformed his soul and the great blasphemer surrendered to Jesus. And he was led in an Isaiah 61 direction. He gave up his slave trading. He became a tide surveyor. And eventually he became a pastor who influenced William Wilberforce in his heavenly work to abolish the slave trade. And he wrote songs. The most famous of John Newton's songs was Faith's Review and Expectation. That's the name of the title of the song that he gave it. Faith's Review and Expectation. You know it this way. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You know it. I was blind, but now I see. It gets played in our culture all the time in the most strange places, piped away, right? There is no power like the gust of God. What else can move a stubborn human being? What else can move you? You stubborn? You selfish? Proud? Stuck? A little miserable? The wind of the Spirit can move you. The wind of the Spirit can move us. When the wind of the Spirit blows through a hungry people who are hungry for the power of the born-again life of God, stuff changes. This has been KGF's story this year. This is our story as a couple. And apart from the Spirit of God, we cannot dream God's dreams And let me say this even more strongly, if we are not led by the Spirit of God, we are not the people of God. Jesus' entire ministry was led by the Spirit of God. You can turn to Luke chapter 4 and you'll see this flow begin to happen. In Luke chapter 4 verse 1 it says that Jesus was full of the Spirit and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and then that's where he's tempted by the devil. In Luke chapter 4 verse 14 he relies on Scripture to overcome the devil and as he returns from there it says he returned in the power of the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18 he stands in his hometown synagogue on the Sabbath day and he takes the Scriptures that would that would customarily be read on a Sabbath day among the Jews. And he rolls the scroll of Isaiah to Isaiah chapter 61, and he reads this. You can look at it, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news, to proclaim liberty for captives, the recovery of sight for those born blind, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus roots his entire ministry and mission in the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is given to the believer, to you, to the believing community, its corporate as well, to seal our identity as those born again into his family and to lead us into his truth and purposes. Jesus lives his ministry from that power. And brothers and sisters, friends, so can you. God subverts the world. It's one of the most beautiful mysteries of God is that when God wants to subvert the world with his hope, he subverts the world by planting in you and I, like we know we're ordinary. He subverts the world by planting in people like you and I his breath and wind, the spirit of God in you. You don't need a PhD. <laughs> you need a surrendered life. The Holy Spirit gusts us, and this is what I long for us to think about individually, but also corporately as a church, as we value being led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God gusts us toward three great subversions. Confession, transformation, and mission. In John chapter 16, can turn there. In John chapter 16, uh, Jesus speaks of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but I go and I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin and because people don't believe in me about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Spirit is our advocate, says Jesus. Parakletos is the Greek word. It means it's a a counselor, a helper. It's like your lawyer, a legal advisor. The Spirit is the one who comes and exposes sin, sin, so the first confession that the Spirit of God will lead you to is to the freedom and the subversion of confession of sin. The Spirit will expose and convict us, and we desperately need this leading. Because we don't often see what's really righteous or just, do we? We may think we do, but we often look past ourselves in the process. We look to others and the stuff they do wrong, but the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God is in work, at work in you, you will have a sudden urge to confess that you're wrong. And that is good news, because that is the place of healing and freedom and liberty. Late in his life, John Newton would declare, My memory is near, this is a great quote, right? This is only what the wisdom of years will give you. My li- memory is nearly gone. But I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. If that's the last thing you can think of as you get big, you'll have hit a home run. (laughs) Wherever the confession of human neediness and the glory of Jesus is elevated, we are feeling the wind of the Holy Spirit. This is something that God is doing among us. We had a board meeting this week. What a great team. I'm just loving this group of people. By the way, we're in a season where we're calling out new people to serve on the board. Speak to, speak to the nominating committee about people that you sense God leading to that. It's a great team. We had a powerful moment in our meeting this week just right over here in the library of great confession. Our brokenness came onto the table. We experienced the power of grace and forgiveness. And I was humbled to be among a team of people who are willingly following the leading of the Spirit. Not just to figure out how to organizationally lead us, but to live this value led by the Spirit. We don't just talk about it. We're being led into it. Do you feel confession blowing in you? This is a very scary question because this scares the bejeebers out of us. Coming real, coming clean, being honest about I'm a great sinner, risks a lot. That's what the devil wants you to think. It is the only way to freedom. And the Spirit of God blows into your life and says, just confess it. Be free of it. Live into it. Be free. Do you feel that blowing? That's the Holy Spirit. The second confession that we're brought to is this confession of the lordship of Jesus. Verses 13 and 14. Jesus says that the spirit will remind us, lead us into truth. The spirit will remind us of who he is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 3, the apostle Paul says, it is only by the spirit of God that somebody can say Jesus is Lord. You say, well, really? Is that true? Like, But think about it. Before you were a believer, or maybe if you're not yet a believer, can you get your lips to say that? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my leader. Jesus is the master. Because that's a work of the Holy Spirit. John Newton went through that. We all go through that. Paul says, only by the Spirit of God can you get there. You can't get there on your own because you're scared to say it. It means releasing control. And we want to be our own lords and masters. And only the Spirit of God gets us past that to say, no, 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 no. Jesus gets to lead. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit empowers our reorienting around Jesus' lordship. So listen, anytime there is a sense in you to confess sin, it's the Spirit of God go with the wind. Anytime you are prompted to confess Jesus is Lord, it is the Spirit of God. If you're fighting it internally, you're wrestling with God. Second thing, this second subversion is transformation. The Spirit leads us, I'm going to cover this really quickly. The Spirit leads us into two transformations. The first is from the desires of our flesh to the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. Paul says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will no longer satisfy the longings of our sinful nature. Have you ever been wondering, how am I going to beat these things that keep coming back to haunt me? It is not on your own strength that you will do it. It is by the Spirit of God. If we walk with the Spirit as the Spirit leads us, we produce says Paul a bunch of new fruit in our life the fruit of the spirit which is instead of sexual immorality and divisions and factions and anger and bitterness and drunkenness and all these different things that are the desires of our flesh living out when we walk with the spirit and are led by the spirit the fruit of the spirit emerges love joy peace patience how how are are you naturally patient uh, no. It's a miracle <laughs> It is a work of the Holy Spirit. So if you are led by the Spirit, this fruit will emerge in your life. And you won't even know it's possible. Do you think an apple tree goes, got to produce apples, got to produce apples, got to produce apples? Or does it just root deeply and produce apples? Yeah. I love Irwin. Okay? Okay. The fruit of the Spirit will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If you're lacking those things, it's not because you're weak, it's because you're not being led by the Spirit of God. You're not following the promptings of the Spirit. So in some ways, it's this simple. In a moment, Say, what would the Holy Spirit have me do? Holy Spirit, speak to me, and the Spirit of God will say some of the most bizarre, counterintuitive things to you. Go with the wind. Watch what happens. Fruit will emerge in your life. This is a transformation from the desires of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit. The second transformation is so beautiful. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, the Spirit of God We sang it this morning. The Spirit of God says to us, you're no longer a slave. I am a child of God. The Spirit of God, this is in Romans chapter 8. Paul says, by the Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. This is also another miracle. So the transformation is from the self-centered life to the life that knows I am part of the family of God. I belong to a people. I belong to my Father. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. Just as miraculous as one saying Jesus is Lord is the miraculous work that says, God, you're a good father. Not you're the big guy in the sky. Not you're up there somewhere. Not that why do you keep being mean to me? But father, daddy. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Did you see it? Do you see how the Holy Spirit is at work in your life? It's, It's not some ethereal out there, mysterious thing. It's happening in you. It is the subversion of God, the transformation of your entire being happening by the breath of God planted in you. Go with the wind. And then Paul says, in the, this, as we understand we're part of the family, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now we've been given gifts, and by gifts we serve the family. These are the gifts of the Spirit to serve the people of God, to use my strengths and capacities, the miraculous ones given to me by God, to serve others. But often we don't see those ourselves. So being led by the Spirit of God means that we pay attention to what God is doing in other people's lives, which means we kind of need to know each other. And in the knowing of one another, we can say, this person should serve on the board. And that person may be surprised to know that. Or this person should serve kids. Or this person should be leading a group of disciples in a life group. Or this person should be leading us into mission in this city. And that will start to confirm what you know God is stirring in you the internal and out external affirmation of the work of the Spirit. And the last place that God subverts through his Spirit so it's confession, it's transformation but it's also into the life of mission. Jesus says in John chapter 20, peace be with you, he says to his disciples. They're freaked out after the resurrection. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The only way this is going to be possible, whatever the cost, is if you are led by the Spirit of God. Khan was a Laotian farmer a village pastor. I knew the people who served him and uh, discipled him. He's part of our wider global Mennonite Brethren family. Spirit of God awakened the confession of Jesus in him, living in a Buddhist uh, culture. He began a church in his home, like, a li- like literally a grass hut, began a church in his home, which created some, such opposition that some of his neighbors rose up and killed him leaving his wife a widow and his children without a father. Why would he take that risk? Because the Spirit of God leads us into mission. And you know what's most amazing about Khan's story? It's his wife who kept showing up at training events so that she and her children could continue to grow the church in the same village where her husband was murdered. The spirit leads and the spirit keeps blowing. You hear a story like that and it's inspiring and humbling, isn't it? Well, The same spirit is at work in you. Acts chapter one, Jesus says that when the spirit comes upon us, we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The spirit blows us toward mission, the expansion of the kingdom, not because we're great, but because we're filled and led by the Spirit of God. So this morning, as we prepare our hearts for communion, we're going to gather at the tables here in just a little bit. It says, the Spirit of God is working in you. What place of confession needs to be real in your life today? Is there sin, brokenness, stuff you're ashamed of? What transformation needs to happen? You need to walk by the Spirit, are you just following the desires of your flesh? How that's go how's that going for you? What is the spirit saying to you to lay down and trust? What about serving the family? You just come through here as a consumer or do you see that you're part of a family and you need to be a contributor led by the spirit of God? What about mission?